Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Watchman. We're sounding the alarm for the peril and the uncertainty that lie ahead. Our commitment is for the objective truth. As the watchman on the wall, we will always call out whenever we see those that live in the fifth dimension attempt to put feelings and emotions in front of facts and in front of truth. We will call out the real motives of those living in the land of unlimited imagination, and we do that by expounding on the underreported facts. Today, we're going to be sounding the alarm with Annette Baker. Annette Baker, again, being, being with us, environmental science expert, homeschool teacher, and candidate extraordinaire against uh, Marxist Judy Swank in the Pennsylvania Senate 11. And uh, Annette is getting a lot of good feedback from consumers and voters that uh, they're just looking for a change, and Marxist Judy Schwank and the lawless left aren't the change they're looking for. Annette, are you getting that in your day-to-day activities with the uh, the interaction interaction with voters? And again, I want to pause for a moment before you answer that by making sure our listeners know that Judy Schwank has an open invitation to this show. Uh, if you're listening and you know Judy Schwank, please let her know. She can be on this show. And we will, I personally will do the interview with Annette and Judy, and we'll basically get into the, we'll, we'll get into the underreported facts with both of them. I think Annette would love to have that. Annette, uh, but Annette, what are your thoughts on the, on the support you're getting by going door to door? Well, the interesting thing, um, thanks for having me back on, by the way, uh, is, is that the majority of folks that I talk to, um, and, and, you know, obviously it's, it's kind of hard right now to, to, uh, find people at home. Sometimes, uh, they're, you know, busy working and they're not able to come to the door. But the ones, uh, that I do talk to in the evenings, um, it's been consistently, I have yet to find one who has said yes to fund the police or reduce the funding for police. <laughs> and that includes people in the cities. Um, they, they do not want, uh, fewer police officers. They want, more training, maybe they've said that they want um, some oversight. Uh, and and actually, I had the uh, pleasure of speaking to a state trooper this past weekend, and um, he said, "You know, no one hates a, a bad cop more than good cops, and we poli- we try to police ourselves pretty hard, particularly in the state police. We try to make sure that if there is a bad cop, they get rooted out and they get drummed out because they don't." You know, they don't want any bad, bad, uh, uh, associations either because it, it, you know, one, like they say, one bad apple poisons the whole, the whole barrel. So they know, um, and they know that people are watching. They know that, that there are situations that, um, you know, definitely will cause, uh, people to be upset and rightly so. There are times, you know, when those things happen that, that people need to be called out, but, you know, I have I have not met one person yet who has asked for for defunding the police. Well, um, so I make sure to let them know that you know there's a lot of people out there that are that don't support that, and and they're not in the minority when it comes to having that position. Well, let's speaking about bad cops, speaking about bad actors, speaking uh speaking about people that we need to have less of in law enforcement. Uh, James Comey, okay, and uh and and Mister. <laughs> And Mr. Brennan, I I want to I want to talk a little bit about this. Uh, Bull Durham, I call him Bull Durham. I mean, it's not Bull Durham; it's John Durham. But anyway, 
He interviewed Brennan for more than eight hours. Now, his focus is undoubtedly going to be on the on the uh, intelligence assessment, if you will, uh, <clears throat> the, the intelligence community assessment that both Brennan and Comey wrote. Because they're the only two that wrote it. Now, what's interesting is uh, Durham's talking, but he's not talking to Comey. If I was Comey, I'd be a little nervous about that. But what's what's obvious is Brennan's looking. He's gonna he wants to know how they came to their conclusions in record time, which is about three weeks, I believe. They wrote that they wrote that assessment in about three weeks. So <clears throat> Durham wants to know how they came to such a record time conclusion. Which uh, again, um, he wants to know uh, how how they came to that, and 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 uh, you know basically what was involved in the investigation. So he wants to know because one thing we do know <clears throat> is that Kevin Kleinsmith pleaded guilty to fraud and doctoring documents to get a FISA warrant on Carter Page. We know that we know that more FBI agents have been indicted than members of the Trump family. So Annette, <clears throat> speaking about bad cops. Uh, do you think Comey's got something to worry about, Annette? Oh, I if I were if I were James Comey, I would be very concerned <laughs> at this point. <laughs> um, you know, with the, there it seems like every time we we turn another chapter and and we find out, you know, it's like it's like an onion. Every time you peel back the layer, you know, you cry a little more <laughs> if you're James <laughs> Comey, um, because it, you know, it's just, it's one thing after another. And, and, you know, he may be putting on a very brave face right now. Um, you know, and, and that may be where he, he knows. he's standing he knows. at the but moment, they, but he knows he's in trouble. He knows something's coming. He knows when Durham's he just doesn't not interviewing know what. him. Yeah, that's right. He knows when Durham's not interviewing him, that it's likely he's probably the target. Look, there were only two people involved in the intelligence community assessment. And in late December 2016, the deep state in Barack Hussein Obama's office, okay, they were all looking for an explanation as to how they got the election prediction wrong. So they jumped on the Russian collusion, okay? And Obama said, I want an intelligence assessment of Russian interference and potential involvement in this election that we just lost. So Obama's asking, he asked... <clears throat> for an intelligence assessment. And, of course, he tasked that to Brennan and Comey to write that. Okay? And uh, I don't want to miss that. I mean, again, there's like more than a dozen entities in the intel community. I think there's like a, a dozen, like 12, 15, or whatever there is. But just but just Brennan and Comey wrote this assessment. I mean, I find that very amazing. When we go back to hear both Comey and Brennan and what they said back in 2017, and I should say in 2016 about candidate Trump, but also in 2017, they you know, they were saying that Trump and his family were traitors and needed to go to prison, remember? And they were declaring that, they were declaring all that, they were comparing, they were comparing, uh, you know, uh, it with the assessment that both Comey and Brennan wrote in record time. So now they're making these comparisons. and But the people, look, the, the people responsible for the ICA, that's Comey and Brennan, both created this farce and this sham. They lied to the American people. They called Trump a traitor and his family traitors. And now we see uh, we have more FBI agents that have been indicted than Trump members of Trump's family. I mean, Annette, Comey knew that the dossier was phony when he briefed Trump on it. I mean, that's pretty treasonous. In my book, what do you think, Annette? 
Well, yeah, I, yeah, I'm still trying to piece together how in the world, um, you know, they, they would think that that was a good idea. I mean, obviously they were counting on Hillary Clinton being elected. Um, and that was their, that was their, their game plan that none of this would ever come to light. Uh, and you know, it just, I, I wonder if, you know, some of the shock, and all that we saw on, you know, John Podesta's face was the reality that, oh, my goodness, all of, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be coming out that we don't want to have come out. Um, so that that's exactly I think what's what's happening now is people are starting to realize this is this is definitely out of their control now. Well, I agree. And it's going to be interesting to see what comes down by, by Mr. Durham. I want to chat a little bit about about, you know, Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris, I should say, Joe Biden <clears throat> and the Democrat anarchists who are destroying our cities. Folks, they don't have an understanding of the future of our country. And they uh, basically they 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 know they, they really have little understanding about how our constitutional guarantees life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness of all of us. No, but they're in a maniac rage to efface America, to end America and the American and, and basically denounce American exceptionalism. Look, the institutions that we talk about, whether they be the college or universities or education institutions, but also the media, as well as Hollywood itself, okay, have been taken over by these lunatics. And the absurd diatribes they launch every day against America first traditions is what you see. You're seeing this, the lawless left, the mob rule left, and the make China great again Democrats, they're just inundated. We got this out of the convention. They're inundated with jealousy of others, people who are more able and more competent. All right, They're calling it wrongful privilege. Look, I can tell you, folks, these lunatics are twisting the corrupt notion that success and achievement which brings a better life for someone is ill-gotten and undeserved privilege somehow. Annette, I mean, what do you, I mean, the gloom and doom that the Democrats put into their convention, do you think it's going to pay it off? Oh, I, well, I certainly hope not. I hope the American people are awake enough now that they see exactly what's going on. A quick, you know, cursory read of the Democrat platform should have everyone shaking in their boots. I mean, the ideas that they are putting forward are things that, you know, we think that the Green New Deal is bad. You can't even, and the, the price tag for what they're proposing for all of the different programs that they want to do where you get free everything is unbelievable. I, I don't even know how we could sustain that as an economy in this country. We could, we, just looking at the Green New Deal alone would bankrupt us. But to add in all of the different things that they want to add in, free education through college, you know, all these other things that they're adding in there, reducing Medicare eligibility by five years so you can get it at 60 instead of 65, which sounds great until you calculate how many people are we going to need to have working in order to pay for these. Right. Changes. Well, one thing. But. They don't want people to go back to work because of COVID. That's right. So, what? How do it? You know, this this comes back to the modern modern monetary theory, 
that they talked about where you just print the amount of money that you need to keep your economy going. Um, I think that ties into this uh, pretty significantly that if that's what they're adopting is that idea that you can just, you know, print whatever you need and it doesn't matter if you can back it up with anything real or not. Well, I think what's really a pretty scary place to be. Oh, it is. I mean, Obama, Obama, Bidenomics, Bidenomics. Okay. I mean, Bidenomics is losing jobs. It's jobs in China. That's what Bidenomics is. Bidenomics is more jobs in China, less jobs here. Trump economics is more jobs here and less in China. I mean, that's just the difference between the two people. Don't miss it, folks. Look, Joe Biden and the Democrats, they say they want universal basic income, but they know, or they should understand, I mean, logic tells us, that we don't have such a thing as universal basic ability, universal basic initiative, universal basic hard work and commitment and dedication. So if you don't have universal basic dedication, commitment, initiative, you know, if you don't have all that, then how can you have a universal basic income? But one thing is for sure, what is universal basic income, folks, is poverty. That's what it is. And, and minimum wage is poverty. Even at $15 an hour, it's poverty. They want poverty for America. They don't want jobs. And they want to institute a wealth tax. And we don't hear them talking about it, but we're going to talk about it right here on The Watchman with a net right here on 1180 WFYL, because that's what we do. These are some of the underreported facts that we're going to expound on. All right, a wealth tax is when you have assessors come to your home and assess your belongings and tax you on them. Okay, it's not just income tax. Oh, and they want to, they want to raise corporate taxes. Like, that's a good idea, because it's a horrible idea. And they want to, as Annette said, they want to outlaw private health care insurance and give health care, Medicare for everyone, including illegals. And they want to outlaw effective, efficient fuels and bring in solar panels for everybody. Bring bring in colder houses in the winter and warmer houses in the summer. Like, that's what we're really longing for. Folks, these <laughs> Democrats have all these bad ideas. I mean, Annette, what are you thinking here? I mean, you see this, too? Oh, absolutely. You know, there's, I think they went from, you know, just one bad idea plank to another and built themselves just a wonderful sinking boat. Um, it's, it's just, I, I cannot even, you know, I, I want to go through every single point line by line. It will be torturous, but I'm going to do it for the sake of, of the people listening so that I can give you a full rundown of the the party planks um, the next time we talk, if there's time to kind of highlight some of that information, but it is, it is just, you know, the low lights that we've seen so far, uh, (laughs) you know, that you've touched on are definitely things that, you know, people are not going to want, I hope are not going to want the empty promises that, that the Democrats are, are floating. I mean, they're willing to say, you know, the, I forget the president that said, you know, put a chicken in every pot. Was that FDR? Um, Correct me if I'm incorrect, but (laughs) I think it might have been FDR. He said, you know, we'll we'll put a chicken in every pot. Um, You know, the the Democrats are are not just saying we'll put a chicken in every pot. They're they're saying not only are we going to give you a chicken, we're going to give you a house. We're going to give you a stove to cook on. We're going to give you. I mean, the litany is, is I mean, it just doesn't end. Um, with, with all of the things that they want to give away. And, 
you know, we keep circling back to the cost. And, and I think that that's where that is the true choice in this election is between socialism, which we've all been living under. We've had our free taste and we don't want it. The majority of us, we want a refund. We want our capitalism back. Um, they, they want us, they want us to be totally dependent on the government. And, and that is the part that's, that should be most concerning to everyone because when we've seen what a, um, a person who has power in our governor and the ability to decide winners and losers in business, that is government run. Winners and losers, socialism, they pick who gets to operate and who doesn't. Well, and I- that is what we would have. In, in this kind of system that the Democrats are proposing. Well, you just, you just, you just summed up the Accountable Capitalism Act. I, I misspoke on it earlier in our earlier show. I called it the, I believe the Employment Accountability Act or something, but it is, it's the Accountable Capitalism Act. That's what it is, which demands the government has a say in the makeup of company board members. I mean, they attack profits, they attack dividends, they attack 401ks, they attack pension plans. I mean, they, they want to force large companies to get a federal charter. They want to they want to minimize the size and scope of business, which limits the pay of everyone. You know, less profit, less pay. Look, I mean, the bottom line is you look at these, you look at what's what's happening with them. I mean, what do they support? I mean, even in the lawlessness, I mean, we see this. They they want to eliminate gang databases. I mean, that that's just a bad idea. They want to eliminate disorder crimes. You know, things like prostitution, drug abuse, uh, shoplifting, public urination, things like that. They want to eliminate disorder crimes. Uh, obviously, adding to the disorder. They want to eliminate cash bails. Boy, that's a horrible idea. And it's coming right from the Democrats. Cash bails. You know, what's amazing is that these district attorneys have arrested people that were burning parts of the cities at Minneapolis and others. And because of no cash bails, they, they were just let out on the street. I mean, don't miss that folks. They were just let out on the street. And I think what's, uh, you know, so don't miss that. I mean, eliminating cash bails is a bad idea. Of course, defunding the police is the cap. That's the cap of it all. They want to do that. I mean, but they are for disorder and lawlessness folks. I mean, Annette, are those ideas, you know, eliminating gang databases, disorder crimes, eliminating them, eliminating cash bails and defunding the police, those are all bad for the middle class, aren't they? For all of us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, I would. I would so agree. Why, I, those so why are, the those are saying, proposing it then? Why are they proposing it? Why do you think? Oh, my personal belief? Yes. Uh, destabilize the country. If they can destabilize our government the way it's set up now, they believe that the people will accept another form of government, which I've, I've just had that argument for an hour and a half with someone. It was a friendly disagreement, but we, we spoke, talked for an hour and a half about do we have a representative republic or a democracy? That is a huge misunderstanding in this country. We are not a democracy. We are a representative republic. If they can convince enough people that because of the destabilization of all of the things that you mentioned, you know, ending the cash bail and 
defunding the police and, you know, everything adds up. It's like a, it's almost like a cumulative effect. Um, when you begin to add, you know, there's one ripple, one ripple, one ripple, and pretty soon you've got a whole bunch. It adds up to a tsunami, kind of like after an earthquake underground in the ocean, that power begins to create a massive wave that will then wipe everything else out. And I think that's kind of what they're thinking. Their their thinking is, is if we can wipe out the system as it works right now and convince people that there is a better plan and we have the better plan, we just won't tell them it's socialism. We'll just label it something else. We'll label it, you know, the new, well, you can call it the Green New Deal. You could call it, you know, whatever. It's It's socialism wrapped in a pretty new package and tied up with a bow to make it look good and convince people that this is what we need to do to save the country. This is what we need to do to be a more compassionate country. This is what we need to do to be the kind of people that will overarch. You know, it, it will be something that will, will spread throughout the nation and then people will begin to accept it. Well, all of this, all of this, you know, destruction and the things that are happening, the, the, Mayors that are allowing, particularly in Seattle, the mayor in Seattle that's allowing for the continued riots, I think it's like 83 or 84 days now that they have continued with the rioting and the, you know, beating people and burning property and destroying property. Why do they do that? Well, I, I'm going to say this. You and I brought this up last week. And that's crazy. I, I think the trap that they're laying, the, the traps that they're trying to lay for Republicans and Trump they themselves are falling into. And that's the, that's a delicious irony. And we talked a little bit about it. I mean, because they're suppressing the votes in their own cities. I mean, I mean, they're creating this disorder in these cities and what's going to happen is they're going to, they're going to basically, they're going to have a low turnout. This is what they're concerned about. Look, this is going to be a base turnout election. We've said this over and over again. And if they don't have the massive turnouts, for Biden, obviously, he, he loses, of course, because we know that there's going to be massive turnouts for Trump. You see, one thing I said this, I said this in the earlier show. Biden knows he has no energy there. He knows there's nothing there. And I think that's why they're probably going to pull something out of their hat. Maybe some trick, some some shell games going to happen. Like I'm going to I mean, Biden will suddenly get sick before the debates happen or something. He's going to get sick. I can't do the debates. I have to quarantine. Things like that. There's going to be something because they know they can't win. There's a reason Joe Biden dusted off a 2008 acceptance speech and redressed it up instead <laughs> of writing a brand new speech. I mean, I, 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 he's not even trying to do this. It's funny. Annette and I talk about this because obviously she was a region chair in the Berks Republican Committee before she ran. Uh, started as a candidate for the senatorial district in the Pennsylvania 11th Senate District. But she she and I talk about this. Candidates that work harder will win. You have to will yourself to win. You know whether you have a chance. And then we started to show up by asking Annette, what are you thinking? Annette feels good about her chances. Why? Not because she's listening to me, <laughs> although I think I'm right. <laughs> I think she does have a great chance. <laughs> I mean, but, but she... She's she's seeing it for her own with her own eyes. She's doing these Trump roadside rallies. She sees the excitement for Trump and the Republican ticket. 
and she sees the embracing of her candidacy. Therefore, she's getting a good feeling about her chances. And this is what candidates know. Joe Biden is not getting a good feeling about his chances. I mean, I'm not a mind reader. I'm not saying I know what Joe Biden knows, but I'm telling you, all of our listeners, folks, don't miss this distinct point. Joe Biden knows whether he's connecting with people with these lousy, horrible ideas. He knows he's not. He knows he's lost it. He has no energy. They, they, I mean, Donald Trump gained in, in the polls and approval ratings while Joe Biden was having his telethon convention. I've never seen that happen. I've never seen that happen. Where the person not having the convention was actually gaining in the polls. So I want it because all the media is on the side of the person having the convention. But when you're putting out all these horrible ideas, they, they are just horrible. Everyone sees it. And Joe Biden knows it. I mean, I think you're going to, I think we can expect to see something happen here. I think you're going to see something, uh, you know, some trick that they play. And that, I mean, do you think that I'm right when I say that? You think they might try to play a game or something here to keep Biden out of the debates? Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to think that that's going to happen. Um, I've been hearing rumors. I have not confirmed anything yet, but I've, I've read two different stories that have said that they think that the um, address that, that the vice president gave, the former vice president gave, was recorded. Um, and that is something that, that could potentially spell big problems um, for going into live debates. Um, I don't know how they're going to address that. Uh, I've heard that, you know, there, there are going to be issues um, that they're going to cite, you know, different things, possibly COVID or something else that would prevent them from having a debate. I cannot imagine going into the election without having any debates. Um, to me, that seems unfair to the voters um, to not have a debate, to not have the ability to compare, you know, two, two uh, candidates together like that. I think, um, I and think, to, I, to think about that, that just is, you know, I I can't imagine Annette, Annette, a presidential. Telling, Annette, if you were, I mean, when we were all kids, okay, I mean, you know, look, you know, when, <laughs> you, you wanted, you wanted, when we were kids, you wanted to avoid, you wanted to avoid the difficult scenario, you know, the right. very difficult day in school because you didn't get your paper done or something, okay, or or whatever, you had to face the music, okay. Well, let me tell you something: the day when you go to face the music. You feel like calling in sick, don't you? Oh yeah. I can't come to school because because I'm sick. I got a runny nose or whatever. I'm look. I put it out there on the last show. I'm going to put it out here on this show. I think Joe Biden is going to try to get out of these debates by claiming he's sick, and I think you're going to see a tr- a trick being played by them. But don't mistake it. Don't make a mistake to think that Trump doesn't have a game plan for that, because I'm sure he does. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm he, sure does. he does. I'm sure he does. So, folks, we are out of time. We're going to have to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for being with us. Thanks for tuning in to our show today. We appreciate you being with us every Saturday at 1 p.m. for this show. Thanks for being with us, and uh, we we truly appreciate you tuning in. Many of our listeners listen to us live in the listening area, but they also listen to us by just going to the podcast. I should say by going to listen live on YouTube, on, on when they search YouTube for 1180WFYL, or actually going to the website, 1180WFYL.com, and clicking Listen Live there. 
Others simply just wait for the our expert directors to post the podcasts, which are up immediately, and they just grab them at their convenience. Folks, however you do it, we appreciate that's why we're here. Thanks for being with us today. For Annette Baker, I'm Clay, Clay Bree. See you next week on The Watchmen. Goodbye for now.